Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast. So glad you could join us. We have a pretty exciting episode lined up. The other side of the globe from where I am, over in New Zealand, Daryl Owen had a national championships ride report that's in this episode. We got to hear from another Marvel rider named Kat, and thanks to Kat, I had a few songs stuck in my head after her audio, and I think you'll understand why. Hers is towards the end, and she uh, played some songs for us that reminded her of the horses that she rides with, and I definitely got those songs stuck in my head for a few days actually <laughs> so um we get to hear from the land of billy the kid our uh, one of our favorite people from the southwest keisha wood actually rides out in that desert area so i think that's pretty cool that she covers that ground out there and i think she's very brave for riding out in the desert we also are going to hear from tennessee lane we have a silly update from one of our favorite young riders, Bailey. She's working towards her first uh, intro ride this year, and Bailey's eight years old, and I'm sure you guys have heard about Odie, her pony. I actually was on a conditioning ride with Tara and Bailey, and I can tell you Odie was a little naughty, but I'll let ba- Bailey tell you that story, and, and I did bribe her with Subway because we were doing... I'll tell you this much. We were doing interval training and Bailey's like, do we have to trot anymore? And I said, no, honey, we don't have to trot anymore. But I thought we were going to Subway. And she's like, oh yeah, we were going to Subway. I'm like, okay, it'll take us about three times longer to get back to the trailer to get to Subway if we don't trot. But that's cool. We can walk. And she's like, okay, we can trot. So I'll tell you that much of it, but Bailey will have to tell you the rest. We are so lucky that a few riders who have never sent in a file sent in a file. We're also going to hear from Melissa. She rides here in the Midwest, and um, she's an FEI rider who was uh, conditioning to get to Biltmore. But she has also a story to tell about um, a medical thing that happened to her that was, was quite devastating and how she overcame it. And um, I think you'll agree that Melissa is pretty amazing. Without further ado, I would like to welcome you to listen to episode four of the Endurance Horse Podcast. Okay, Grace, I'm going to walk away and I want you to talk in the microphone, okay? You give me a couple whinnies. Hi there, my name is Amanda Humphreys. I am in Warrenton, Virginia, which is about 45 miles west of Washington, D.C. Um, lately, the weather, I think we are on day four or five of rain, so not much riding has been going on, just a lot of mud. Um, a little about my horses, um, I have three Uh, My main competing horse right now is Candy. She is a Pony of America. She's 14 this year. Um, I have had her 12 years now. I got her as a two-year-old. 
something about her personality. Um, she's very stubborn. <laughs> she's uh, very opinionated and very stubborn. She makes it known that my job is to sit there and um, watch the ribbons as we go. I have a three-year-old half Arab um, out of out of candy. He'll be three in June. And then my most recent addition is um, Oliver. I recently pulled him from a feedlot in North Carolina. He's a registered um, Egyptian Arab, and he just turned five this year. So he's uh, a, a good project in the works. Um, how I got into horses. Supposedly, from what I've heard, there was a roadside pony pony ride place somewhere and my parents pulled over and put me on a horse at four years old and I wouldn't shut up about it ever since. And so here I am, I'm now 25 um, and still just as much horse obsessed as I was back then. How I got into endurance riding, um, well, I, I got candy as a two-year-old. I could not find a sport that took care of her energy level. <laughs> um, we tried games, we tried trail riding, we tried everything. And one day my mom was on the internet somewhere and said, whoa, a hundred mile race. And we were joking that maybe that would finally take care of Candy's excess energy. So I looked around locally and found a, a couple mentors and got started that way. What about it that got endurance? got me to stay with endurance. Um, probably the welfare of the horse campaign that um, endurance is, is very known for. I loved that, you know, the results that you, the rider, get are truly based from your hard work, your effort, your research, and everything that you put into the horse. Now, granted, I know accidents happen and, you know, you twist an ankle on a rock and your horse will just be a little off, but for the most part, the hard work that you put in to training and conditioning comes out with really good success and really good results. Share about my goals for the season. So right now my overwhelming goal, Candy's decently close to a thousand miles, reaching the, the thousand mile threshold with AERC. And my goal is to get um, her thousand mile medallion this year. We have a couple hundreds um, in the works. The season was incredibly slow to start with. We had several rides canceled or, you know, just bailed last minute because they were calling for snow and sleet. And so I wasn't able to make it to the Biltmore 100, which was was my first 100-mile goal this year. So we are hoping to make nationals also back down in Asheville, North Carolina, the 100-mile ride down there, and additionally, possibly Carolina 100 and the uh, overwhelming goal is to get her 1,000 miles for sure. So thanks so much. Hi, I'm Melissa Coolidge. I'm an R&D engineer as well as an FEI endurance rider. I'm actually on my way back from my very last conditioning ride of this, uh, before we go to Biltmore. We're planning to do the 100 there, um, and... Um, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, we just did our last, you know, I call it a systems check where we essentially ride, you know, 
15, you know, kind of slowish miles just to make sure the horse is feeling good, doesn't have brace brain, you know, all the, all the, all the basic systems checks before you leave. So um, after we get back, you know, I'll hose her down, give her a couple days off, and then, and then we leave for the race. So um, I'm getting nervous and excited. But um, in the meantime, I would like to talk about the last nine or so months of my life. Um, so last August, starting, uh, we did a 75 on my horse, JG Short stuff. She's, um, you know, she's a dynamite mare. She's 14 hands and, um, and huge personality. So anyway, um, she's got a big opinion, big personality, uh, and, but sensitive, but also just wonderful to ride. So we, you know, did the 75 and she was strong all day. I mean, I don't even think she sweat and it was not that, um, not that, uh, cool. I mean, it was probably 85. Um, we were in Palmyra, Wisconsin at the bone crusher ride. Um, you know, and the, the terrain is pretty, uh, hilly, good footing, but you know, she finished that ride, um, stronger than ever. So I was coming off that ride, um, top of the world, became in first place. Um, she had all A's all day long on her vet card. Um, so just a dynamite ride and a dynamite day. And you know, all the, all the hard work we put in prior to that had kind of paid off. So that was pretty exciting. I, I, I was really pleased with that horse and I feel really fortunate to have her and also really fortunate to have such a great husband who can help me um, take care of my horse throughout the ride. So he's, he's invaluable as crew. And I, I do think that um, having a crew person like my husband has made us a lot more successful um, with our riding because he's there, you know, reminding me, do this, do that. If I forget to do it, he's doing it faster than I can even think of it. So, um, you know, my husband has like become you know, best crew guy ever. So um, I really thank him for that. So, um, so a couple days after the ride, I had surgery to remove some hardware. So I had broken my leg a couple years prior. I had actually had a different horse slip and fall with me. Um, and it crushed my ankle and, you know, I had put this hardware in. So the hardware removal surgery should have been very routine. Um, people do it all the time. It, it, it really shouldn't have been a problem, but doctor went in, he, something went wrong. He broke a screw in half. Uh, he badly damaged my ankle surface and, and, and ankles and cartilage does not grow back. Um, also he gave me a staph infection. So, um, I went in healthy, came up, you know, thinking I was going to be, you know, off, off my foot for a couple of days and came out of that surgical suite not being able to walk. Um, and it was, you know, pretty devastating for me. I, um, you know, I didn't know I had a staph infection right away. I found out later on, um, you know, I got a call from a doctor where they basically said, you know, come in now or you're going to lose your leg. So, um, you know, obviously took that very seriously and, and, uh, you know, did a course of IV antibiotics and all of that stuff. So fortunately, um, staph infection cleared up and in that part went well but once it cleared up you know and I was thinking I'm going to feel better I really didn't which you know also was was pretty devastating so um so here I am you know four months later I I you know I can I still can't walk and I'm, I'm looking for answers so one of the doctors I went to was suggesting an ankle fusion which um at the time you know he'd also told me that ankle fusions and endurance riding do not go together. And, um, if I did the fusion that I would have to give up the endurance sports, which for me was a total non-starter. Um, anyway, I continued to research, continued to look, continued to, you know, talk to everyone I could talk to and came across a technology, um, for, a, a brace. It's called a dynamic AFO. Um, there's a couple of them on the market market. Um, I went to a place called Cornerstone in Seattle, Washington, 
There's also um, the Hanger Clinic also does a does a brace called the Exosim, but essentially they're both. Um, there, it's a device that uh, works on the principles of prosthetics, and actually, um, uh, it's an energy re- return device. So what it does is, uh, it's a spring that does the work of my ankle. So I'm an engineer, and I'm going to use my engineering terms. But um, it really, you know, gave me an opportunity to see if I could, you know, make this brace work and and. Uh, continue to ride and found out very quickly that I could probably ride better than I can walk with it which meets my needs because you know I'm you know I think about endurance all day every day so that that was pretty pretty important for me so um I got the the brace in the first week of February and rode for the very first time on my birthday uh the whole time I wasn't riding Another shout out to my wonderful husband. He did all the horse care for us, for our six horses, and um, you know I feel very blessed to have um, a spouse that's that's willing to um, willing to you know help me and help us you know keep the farm going and the horses happy and and everything you know looked just great when I when I was finally able to go out there and 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 and, and finally help a little bit, but you know so he got he got like to do all winter basically without you know without my help so. Um, so I rode for the first time on my birthday, which was February 10th. And then, um, I started, you know, conditioning horses, thinking about getting back into, you know, endurance, seeing, you know, what I thought I could do. And it turned out I felt pretty good on the horse. So, um, about two weeks later though, I got a call from the USCF, um, and they wanted to know if we wanted to continue to qualify for the World Equestrian Games team. So, um, you know, whether or not we make it or not um it was a huge huge confidence booster for me and also a um great motivator to to help me help me find um a way back to health and um you know just you know set goals and 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 get myself and better and my horses back in shape so um immediately started buckling down and riding my horse every single day and getting her ready for um, Biltmore. So anyway, I uh, I've been conditioning her now since February. She came back stronger than ever. She looks just fantastic, you know. Um, so I'm 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 super thrilled to be to be trying you know to be doing the hundred next next week. And um, you know, for me, it's kind of an emotional and uh, huge milestone after my injury. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little scared because, of course, you know, like, what if my brace fails? What if it doesn't work? What if like my ankle just doesn't survive 100 miles? But at the same time, um, you know, it's just uh, the opportunity to do this, the opportunity to continue to qualify for WEG, has helped me get better so much quicker than than I think I would have done on my own. So. I really very much thank the endurance community for, for helping motivate me and um, kind of give me the give me that you know push in the right direction. So um, you know I'm uh, I'm almost home and I'm looking forward to uh, the race next weekend and see how we do. Hi, my name is Tennessee Lane. I am from Levita, Colorado which is a tiny town at the base of the Spanish Peaks, um, about the same latitude as Durango and Pagosa Springs, but in the center of the state, just to the west of I-25. I am right smack dab in the Sangre de Cristo mountain range, so I have a lot of really great 
great training right at my fingertips. Um, I live at about 7,200 feet, and I train from about 7,000 to 9,000 feet on a daily basis. Um, this spring has been extremely dry, which has, is convenient for training, although we are worried about the drought in the long run. Um, but it's hot. It's been 90 degrees, which is insane for this time of year for Colorado because last year we had four feet of snow on the ground. So it, it really, you know, welcome to Colorado. You never know what you're going to get. So just take advantage when you can and uh, stay warm when it's snowing. <laughs> Let's see. I, I don't know where to start to, when it says tell me about your horses. I have about 15 horses in training. They're mostly Arabians and Arab quarter horse crosses. First stall is Bluff, who has become kind of a an icon for some people in my area. A lot of people know who Bluff is. He's white. He's stocky. He's barely 15 hands. Um, he has the shortest back on the planet, so I pretty much have to ride him in a crupper. He is one of the most challenging horses I've ever had to ride. He is squirrely as heck. It's like riding a motorcycle and the throttle is stuck on just full throttle, so the back end is just fishtailing all left and right, and it's all you can do to keep him keep him going down the trail in a straight direction because he's going to be going somewhere fast. You just got to try to get him to go right where you want him to go. He he loves this sport. He loves his job, um, and he is competitive to a fault. So while I can take him out on a booze cruise with my friends if we want to go drink some wine on the trail, he's totally fine with that. But if you're at a race, he is he is extremely competitive. So that is super fun. It's also dangerous, but but I've definitely gotten to know him really well over the past I don't know, seven years since I got him. I actually bought him off the track. I had gone there to look at a couple of other horses, and I saw him from a distance, and I, I knew I wanted him. I didn't even vet him out. I just I got him, threw him in the trailer, and <laughs> took him home. He is the horse that I would like to take to Tevis this year. Other horses, let's see. I've got Gambler, who I just did the two-day hundred on at Antelope Island just a couple weeks ago. I've got Thor, my Palomino who is kind of like my Sunday horse. God, I'm always just in the greatest mood and so relaxed when I'm on him. I haven't I haven't pushed him for speed yet, and we're just kind of tooling around. He's done his first 50, and a, last year he did a boatload of LDs and took like nine best conditions or something. Um, so he's definitely ready to bump up to 50s as a seven-year-old. I'm kind of his, the, my goal on him is a decade team. So I haven't, I haven't done that on a horse yet. I don't think <laughs> I've got Beretta. I've got John Wayne, uh, Niner just sold, Fly just sold. Let's see who else do I have out there. Anyway, a, a lot of great horses in training. Most of them I bred if I didn't buy them as babies. And um, I also have my stallion out there who just turned four years old yesterday. His name is Chrome, and I'm really looking forward to getting him through his first LD. Anyways, I guess when it comes to horses and goals, I have specific goals for each horse for every season. And I have to just remember to keep my eyes on the prize with each horse um, and remember exactly what I'm wanting to do with them and not get it mixed up horse to horse. It's pretty easy to do, actually. I have been riding since I was a toddler. I was very blessed in that both of my parents are horse lovers and horse people, and uh, they raised me on a horse. So I've been riding since, I don't know, I can't remember. There's little pictures of me, and I'm tiny, wearing little cowboy boots and shops, and I don't remember it, but I guess I was two or something when I was, you know, controlling my own horse, not getting ponied. Um, His name was Sandy, my first horse, but... Uh, I have always loved horses, and the only time I was really not around them was in college. Um, I couldn't afford to keep them with me, you know, between board and 
I mean, sorry, between rent and board, it was just, it was too much. So I didn't have a horse with me for those four years until I got back into grad school. I kind of went nuts and just, I needed to have a horse down there. So I brought one horse down from the ranch and, um, was paying for board on him. And then I brought another down and then I brought another down and eventually it got to the point where I was like, okay, I should probably just buy this little vacant piece of property. And, and so I built, you know, fixed the fences and put my horses in there and then I ended up collecting a few more horses and building a few more things out there and then I built a house out there and then I by the end of it all it became an equine estate that was actually pretty dang well put together over the course of 10 years it was all it was all just the way I wanted it and of course somebody came in and they wanted it apparently even more than me um so I sold it and I was really lucky to have enough to to buy a piece of property down here in Levita that is right up against my parents' property, their ranch land. And so I have plenty of riding now and I have rebuilt my, <laughs> my empire. Um, it's taken a couple years. It's actually taken me going on three years, but I'm finally up and running again and, um, loving it. I love it down here. I actually didn't even know endurance riding existed as a sport until I was in grad school. Um, I'm actually, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this. I'm actually a molecular biologist and I specialized in infectious diseases and I worked in a BSL-3 lab designing adjuvants to improve the um, efficacy of vaccines for this my specialty was tuberculosis and so it was a shower in shower out spacesuit deal and I was in the lab in grad school uh, working and bored waiting for something to incubate for those of you who know anything about cellular biology I was waiting for radioactive tags to incubate with cells so that I could perform flow cytometry. Um, for anybody else listening, that means I was just sitting around on the computer Googling around because I was bored. I found out about endurance and just was fascinated because I do that for fun. Uh, I, I go out on, on long rides, cruising at speed to just to get away from it all. And so I was like, what a great sport and looked up the, who, who was best in my area. And of course, global endurance training center popped up. And so, you know, it was a matter of days before I had thrown my saddle in my truck and I headed down to Moab and I met Diane and Christoph for the first time, Christoph Shork, who is the winningest rider in the world. And they are to this day, like family to me. And they, they taught me everything from the ground up and as quickly as possible, they were like, Hey, this girl can ride. Let's, let's go for it. And so very shortly thereafter, I was doing fifties on my first Arabian. Her name was Sabella and she's still kicking at 21 years old. She's still hitting the trail. Um, anyway, I had a blast and I was immediately hooked. I think one of the things that really attracts me to the sport is the fact that, well, again, another thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I'm very much an introvert. And so I love and am rejuvenated by time alone outside. And so this sport and I just match up great. And the combination of all that with the ability to compete, because I'm extremely competitive just naturally, that's just, oh God, the sport's like crack for me. So I can go out there and find a niche, whether it's in front or in the middle of the pack, and I can just be alone, just me outside with my horse and that's usually my goal. So some people always want to ride together and, and I am generally trying to get away from everyone, um, whether it's in front or not in front. I just, I just want to ride by myself and, and I love it. Um, and I, and the fact that I can compete when I feel like it and kind of get, get that out of my system is, is just icing on the cake.
my goals for the season, as I said, are different for each horse, um, depending on, you know, what their age is, what their mileage is, etc. Um, my biggest goal this season is, of course, Tavis. I plan to take Bluff, and I'm just, I'm really happy with where he's at. He did some LDs in February and um, some 50s just here recently, and I'll just stay home from now on until the race um, and train in my backyard, which is where I have the most control over what I'm doing with them speed-wise and terrain-wise. Um, so I'm really excited about that, and I feel like we're set up to have a very successful ride. Um, I hope that there's not any residual pressure on me from last year's performance. Last year uh, went extremely well on Far, and Far's story is a very long and complicated one that I won't go into now, but I'm just really happy and honored to have been a small part of it, and um, get that, that ride last year was just amazing and meant to be, honestly. So despite the fact that we'll have a number one literally painted on our butts, um, because that's the way they do it at Tevis, I would I would really like for it to just be a tabula rasa deal and to just ride exactly how we trained, which is always my goal. And I want to just have fun, and I want Bluff to have fun. And if we're not having fun, then there's no point. There really isn't. But I'm looking at him right now, and I think we're pretty well set up for success this year. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So wish us luck. podcasters this is Kat here I'm another rider from Marvel Endurance we're based in Harvey Bay Australia so uh I am a slightly odd member out of Marvel Endurance I guess in that most of the team is based around Victoria's horses because she just happens to be a lovely person that has passion for horses and so she lets lots of different people give endurance a go and lends out her horses and her gear and all of that kind of stuff. I was a tag along a bit differently in that I had my own horse when I first got in touch with Marvel, but I didn't have a float or a car that could tow a float or any of the other kind of useful things that you sort of need if you want to be a person doing horse activities. But anyhow, that, that didn't matter. I heard about Marvel and Victoria initially through Facebook because I spent a lot of time sussing Facebook out when I first moved to Harvey Bay um, because endurance was always something that I wanted to do ever since I got my horse that was kind of it was what she was bred for and I sort of I just wanted to see how she'd go and, and give it a go um, but like I said it just wasn't something that was easy for me to do because it didn't have a lot of the stuff that I needed. So the first ride that I ever ended up going to was Biggenden. And that was held in July of 2015. And I had been plotting, I guess, um, to get into endurance since December of 2014 when I first um, got the news that I said I got this job in Harvey Bay and was going to have to transfer and it took me at least until oh, June, <laughs> let's say, to, to finally get in contact with Victoria um, because in my Facebook stalking, I wasn't been very good at it though, to be honest, but I, I had in the back of my mind that Victoria was some 40-year-old equestrian coach that would just take one look at us as, as a riding pair and be like, oh my God, that thing is not being associated with us uh, because... Let's just say, like, the 
the pretty writing, the equitation, that kind of thing. That has never been my strong point, uh, which is one of the reasons I like endurance because I just like spending time with my horse. Uh, so it worked out really well. Anyway, though, Victoria is not 40 years old. She is an equestrian coach, but uh, she's always just been really helpful, I guess. And so that first ride, she pretty much organized all of it for me. I got a lift there with um, Jasmine, who's another member of the team, and uh, her dad. And so Bingen is about an hour and a half away from Harvey Bay. So it was, you know, it was no mean feat (laughs) to find someone that could sort of get me there. So that was always really good. And I just... I remember turning up to the ride and just sort of always being like, oh, my God, what's next? What's next? Like just thinking that there was, you know, so much stuff that had to be done. I was pretty useless anyway because I had no idea what was happening. But I did try and be helpful. Um, anyway, though, after the yards were set up, there's it's really just a lot of sitting around endurance. <laughs> like when when you're not out there, it's a lot of waiting for nominations or waiting for vetting or waiting for rides. So it's just... It's a little waiting, which when you relax, that's kind of the best time to just sit around and chat with everyone or meet people from different rides that you haven't seen in ages. So it's a good time. And uh, I think that was when Victoria sort of first put me at ease, not necessarily intentionally, but uh, one of the first things she must have said to me was something about um, I was putting a rope halter on Vegas and she was like, oh, look, Adriana. Cat can actually put a rope halter on the right way. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I am going to fake it till I make it. But anyway, it never mattered. That first 40Ks, so the rest of the team were doing 80Ks that weekend. So it was just me on my first 40K ride. I don't think anyone was necessarily aware at the time, but I just didn't have the miles under my belt. So I was pretty terrified of Vegas, my horse, at that stage because she shies a lot. She probably still shies just as much now as she ever used to, but uh, because we've been in this partnership for so long, it's just easier to sort of see it coming or you can tell the difference between a big one and a little one. I say this like I'm experienced and it's great. I came off at like the ride before last flipping over ahead because she saw an odd pile of grass flipping. So I have no like, oh, look at me, I'm experienced like to stand on. Not at all. Point being though, I was so scared of coming off at Bigginden and just losing my horse into that country town forever. So I just wouldn't get any speed up. I mean, like I wouldn't even trot unless I could see absolutely everything around me that could possibly jump out in our general direction. So as you can imagine, that makes 40 kilometers take a really long time. So six hours later, when we're passing the 80 kilometer riders going out on their second leg, I was coming in so sore, so in pain and just thinking I would rather gnaw off my own legs than have someone sit me back on my horse again to go out for any further. And I really can't tell you why I kept going in endurance or or how that came about, but it just did. (laughs) We didn't do any other rides that year, but 20... Maybe 2018 now. So yeah, 2017, that was supposed to be our big year. And no, that was 2016, I'm trying to talk about. 2016 was supposed to be our big year, and we're gonna do all the rides and get to open. And we did all the rides to get to open, but we are still not open riders. But that is a, a much longer story for a different time. <laughs> I think I have forgotten to cover heaps of stuff, but I've already gone for six minutes. So if you want to hear more from my strange waffling, let me know. Happy riding, everyone. <laughs>
Hi, it's Daryl Owen from Whakatane New Zealand again and this is an update on our trip to our Equestrian Sport New Zealand Endurance National Champs in the South Island of New Zealand last month. For us in the Bay of Plenty, it's a long drive to Springfield in Canterbury. Check a map if you want a visual on it. I think I remember the, the mileage being about 700 kilometres each way. We left home on Saturday afternoon and arrived at base on Wednesday afternoon. Considering that the whole of New Zealand fits into California more than twice, this may seem excessive, but New Zealand roads are not like interstates. We try to stop at least every three hours to unload and let the horses eat and pee and give them lots of opportunity to break up the travel. In the past, we haven't travelled them with hay nets because we've heard of horses choking without access to water. This time, though, the horses were loading just before 5am and weren't going to be coming off until 1pm after a five-hour ferry crossing. So we wanted to get something in their stomachs to keep them warm and help gut motility. I had foolishly booked the 9am sailing from Wellington, completely forgetting it was Monday morning heading into city rush hour traffic. I've been out of the city for way too long. I had a definite sinking feeling when the traffic slowed to a crawl about 50 kilometres out from the ferry terminal. 50k tailback all the way to Wellington was certainly not going to get us checked in in time. Fortunately, it was just a patch of roadworks and it was all steady travel from there on in and absolutely planning sailing for the crossing. I'm really not a good sailor, so I appreciated that. When we got to the South Island, we found somewhere just down the road to let the horses off for a little while, then carried on another few hours to a friend's house where we'd been invited to stay for a couple of nights and then convoy down to the event behind them. Bliss! The horses had a whole day to recover from the sailing and the long day of travel. I'd never been to this part of the country before, so I really enjoyed the chance to see a small part of their sheep farm and the wine country leading out to it. The journey to base through the Lewis Pass and Weka Pass was also stunning. Hard to watch the scenery when you're focusing on the narrow and winding road and the lots of roadworks all the way through as well, and trying to keep track of the rest of the convoy, but I really enjoyed it. Arriving at base, we set up and marked out a good space. We had one horse competing on Friday and the other three were not going out till Sunday, so they needed to be able to move around. Lots of hay, lots of water, and out to be hand-walked several times each day with a bit of a ride to loosen up when we could. Our longer distances in New Zealand start at night and we ride through the day. This year they had us start the 160km ride at 3am instead of the usual 1am. We got a bit of a sleep in. Full moon, beautiful clear night, 14 horses in the field. It's great to be alive. This was my third attempt at a South Island Nationals. The first one, four years ago, got cancelled for the first time ever because of the severe amount of rain making the track dangerous so we never even got to vet in, let alone start. The second time was at the same venue as this year. I made it through two phases, 80 kilometres, and then went out lame. There was one paddock in particular that year that was really rocky, and I think I wasn't cautious enough through it. This time I was determined not to make the same mistakes and take it easier anywhere the footing was more technical. I set out with a ride plan in my head and stuck to it all day long. My Californian friend Gabrielle would be very proud of me that I didn't succumb to any temptation to speed up. I kept it all in the tank for the end. Our rides in New Zealand are generally in loops from base and back to base. We don't often have outpost vetting. This makes it easier for crews and especially easier for those who have no crew. The second phase of the 160 kilometres saw the sun come up. A glorious golden sunrise and the view down the Waimakariri River was stunning. I turned tourist for a little while there and took some photos. This whole area was once a riverbed, so the ground is embedded with river stones. Even when it was lovely, even green grass, you could hear the rocks under hooves. A definite warning to keep a check on footing and pace. The end of the first phase saw the first vet out. 
high heart rate, just because the horse was acting up. Subsequent loops saw others go out, mostly with irregular gait, but a couple with high heart rates. Nothing major, and not much for the treatments vets to deal with. It did weed the field down rather a lot, though, and I eventually finished fifth. Completion buckle, 100% season, exactly what I was aiming for. It was a fantastic feeling, absolute euphoria. The highs and endurance are very, very high. That night, the famed Canterbury Norwester blew up and we all dashed out of sleeping bags to take down gazebos that were threatening to fly away. Mine was one of the first casualties. Relatively easily fixed the following week, fortunately. However, the tent fly will need a little bit more. The gale force wind continued most of the day, finding down, finally dying down mid-afternoon. By that point, a lot more tents had succumbed and were looking a bit misshapen. Mine survived until about half an hour before the wind finally stopped, and I'd been sitting there looking at it thinking, no, that's holding up really, really well, and then suddenly it didn't. The, the uh, edge of the fly ripped and a weld broke on one of the poles. I should have dropped the poles earlier in the day. I've learned my lesson, probably. Hopefully I won't do that again. The Saturday was a rest day for us. Trail ride classes and shorter distance endurance classes. The night came in bitterly cold and we were all really, really, really glad to climb into sleeping bags for an early night. Sunday was another 3am start, this time for the 120 kilometre. With all three of us on my team riding, we knew we had no crew at base. Everyone was really supportive at Nationals this year, lots of offers to help out. People carted buckets for us, moved gazebos, got refilled. Oh, they were just wonderful, took horses' covers off, it was awesome. What a wonderful sport and wonderful people. Throughout this season, we've got better and better as a team. Our strapping has improved, our organisation has improved. Systems we've put in place for everything, from ride snacks, truck organisation, equipment. I'm really proud of the, proud of the way we're operating. The 120km ride on the, on the Sunday was five loops, 40 kilometres, 19, 21, 21 and 19 to finish. We didn't intend to ride together, it just turned out we were travelling at the same speed and they were going well together. My horse, Salty, the opinionated one, for those who remember my first instalment, is the older, more experienced one on the team, so my ride plan this time was to actually push him a bit. He's been out there long enough. I've always ridden conservatively, <coughs> conservatively for the completion, and I've been getting told it's time for me to push him. He performed wonderfully. Lag times and heart rates were among the best I've ever had with him. Resting heart rate was 32. He's, he has a really quirky gait. But we had A's for gait and impulsion all day long. Heading out on the final loop, I knew I was sitting in fourth place, and then I caught the girl in third place and overtook her. I kept my attention on the footing, no point blowing it right at the very last. We walked over the rocky bits and trotted into the finish. Great vetting, great heart rates. Unfortunately, lame in the front. Ho-hum. Endurance is like that. It'll pick you up to the highest heights and throw you down again just as quick. Despite the result, I'm happy. I achieved most of what I set out to do at Nationals. Buckle, 100% for one horse, pushed the other one a little bit harder. Heart rates, ride management, there's very little I'd change about the whole week, really about the whole season. I feel like I've got it right. Like after 12 years, I'm finally learning. Two days after Nationals, Salty was 100% sound, hadn't lost any condition and looked like he could go out and have another go. Been a great season. The other two members of the team, by the way, also did well. Ruth retired at the end of the fourth loop because Dusty was slightly off behind and Mike rode a careful last loop with Blazer to take fourth place. This is the horse's third season and he has, he has enough attitude to do really well if managed correctly. 
Did I mention that Mike's 60, 76 years old and started out the season with a broken leg? He's done so well to recover ride fitness and get this result at season end. So our season is pretty much done now. There, are only, there were only two rides left. There's only one now. Um, both my horses <coughs> have completed their 33-day stand-down in accordance with FEI rules. We were meant to have two younger ones that arrived two weekends ago, but unforecast thunderstorms put paid to that with a lightning strike way, sorry, with a lightning strike way too close for comfort, meaning that the event got cancelled and everyone went home before even getting on a horse. It was a bit scary. Next weekend, Salty and Scratch have one more 40-kilometre ride for the season. All going well, it will be the first ride for a new junior rider I'm hoping to get to hook into the sport. He's a Rotary Exchange student from Brazil, so this will be another new experience for him. In the meantime, our ride calendar for next season is not far away, and I'm already working on a plan. More next time. It's Bailey here from Wisconsin. I was started conditioning with my gassy, sassy pony, Odie. And yes, he's still fat. Now he is naughty. It was like he was in a rodeo. So mom had to put me on a lead line. I did not like Odie's bucking. We rode five sassy and gassy miles. And one, I love you good mile. Sometimes, to be honest, I got scared when we bucked. I made weird faces too. Also, sometimes I would have liked to turn around, but my mom's friend bribed me with Subway sandwiches. I'm very food motivated, like my pony. My mom's horse was also kind of sassy, but I don't blame them. It was the first ride out for a long time, and we did lots of trying. They are trying to figure out what to do and what not to do. But also, I appreciated it when my when my horses do awesome. P.S. Remember that. I have to leave now. I, if you see me on the trails, say hi -lo. It means hi plus hello. Hello, fellow endurance podcast fans. My name is Lindy Griffith and I live in Wesley Chapel, Florida, just north of Tampa. We are heading into our hot, humid season, which is going to last until Thanksgiving. I watch the heat and humidity carefully and ride accordingly. In July and August, I don't even hardly ride at all. But fall is coming, so they tell me. I have two horses, Maxwell, a 17-year-old Rocky Mountain horse, who prefers to be ridden alone, and Chief, my 13-year-old Rocky Arab. Chief is my distance riding partner. So far, we've been competing in IDRs and LDs. Chief is a happy-go-lucky kind of horse who's incredibly observant. He is a giant goofball and loves to be in the middle of everything. He is a really fun horse to ride. Both of my horses have been exposed to darn near everything, and they thankfully handle most challenges with grace and grit. Chief is exceptionally good at keeping me safe from invisible monsters and hidden bears, which Max doesn't seem to see. I was born horse crazy and have been riding since I was five when I got my spunky Shetland pony mare named Pixie. Many decades later, I saw an advertisement in our local horse newspaper for an endurance riding clinic. I went, was fascinated, 
did a few IDRs, and have been hooked ever since. I love most things about endurance riding. My favorite part is working with Chief as a team. At this point in our journey, we are more often than not in the running for turtle. A girl can't have enough headlamps or pillowcases, right? Chief only wishes that they would award more carrots. I'm very thankful to be in the Southeast region and a part of CEDRA, Southeastern Distance Riders Association. We have phenomenal trails and fantastic ride managers. I've met some of my favorite people through this sport. I love learning how to take better care of my horse, how to become a better rider, and mostly I need to learn how to be more organized during the holds. But people in the sport are so wise and willing to share their knowledge, it never ceases to amaze me. I have so much to learn, and it's all good. I must confess that I am a Tevis stalker. I follow that ride from home every year, and am in total awe of everyone that attempts that ride. I live vicariously through these talented horse and rider teams. I love the news feed they have on Facebook and on their website. My mind gets blown watching the trot outs in the top 10 judging and hearing all the stories of all things Tevis. These amazing riders, they've encouraged me to get in better shape so that I can be a better person for my horse. So far this year, I've lost over 25 pounds and I have 10 more pounds to go before fall. The biggest challenge that Chief and I have faced so far came in December of 2016. We failed to vet in at a ride. Chief presented off in the hind end. Early the following week, I took him to the horse clinic and learned that Chief had a suspensory issue on his right front. It was inflamed. I was so grateful that the ride vet caught this early so that we could get him fixed. That's another thing I love about the sport. Knowing that the ride vets are there for the horses is so super important to me. I got to ride a friend's horse that day and had a blast, so all was not lost, but Chief and I took a year off. We started back slowly with a 10 and then a 15 this past fall, and this spring we completed 225s, so we're back on track. My goal for 2018 is to ride more often during the week, which has been a challenge. Like so many riders, I have this day job where they actually expect me to show up for the whole day. I'm working on carving out time so that I can get Chief in better shape. We're working on maintaining the trot for longer distances. Most of the time we ride alone, so Chief is starting to figure things out. I want a more steady speed and faster LD completion time. Until we do that, I will continue to work on my headlamp collection. I know Chief can do it. One of my very favorite endurance memories came from a ride a few years back. I took a wrong turn, and our first 15-mile loop turned into an 18-miler. Chief was walking into the camp very, very slowly. I really believed he was spent. I had already resigned myself to the fact that we were not going to complete for the first time due to rider error. I had planned a rider option because we were absolutely going to be overtime. I got into camp, and Joe, my best riding buddy, noted that Chief wasn't even sweating. She encouraged me to saddle up after the hold and just try. What do I have to lose, she said. <laughs> well, I did, and when I was starting the second loop, I was so late that there were some other riders, really good riders from Canada, starting their last loop, too. The difference was they were, had ridden 50 more miles than I had, 
but this was a super lucky break for me. They took off first, and Chief took off cantering behind them. The horse that I was going to carry back into camp had gotten a second wind. Who knew? At one point, I was actually holding him back. When we got back to ride camp and I checked my GPS, we were going 19 miles an hour. We didn't do that for the whole loop, but we finished 10 miles in an hour and 15 minutes, which for a turtle was light speed. We completed, and as luck would have it, we turtled. I am so lucky to have a great friend like Joe to encourage me like that. That ride taught me so much about Chief and about myself. We can do it. We just have to believe. Well, thanks for listening, and happy safe trails to everyone. And to those of you that are enjoying summer and nice cool evenings where you have to wear a sweater, I am so jealous. But our time will come again, and then we'll be riding a little bit more. Take care. And thanks for listening. Hi, it's Jenny Chandler here. I'm in New Zealand. Um, I've been doing endurance now since 2004. And just to set the scene for today, um, I've started doing a recording a couple of times for Chris and I always end up feeling... Um, self-conscious and dumb so I'm trying again and I've just finished listening to the latest podcast so I'm feeling a little bit inspired and right now I'm actually sitting up on top of my roof because I'm having to replace all the screws because they were going rusty and it's a beautiful day the sky is blue I can see Mount Perongia through the fern trees and it's just beautiful I can see my endurance ponies down in the paddock eating grass um so i'm taking a break from doing the screw just to chat about my ponies with you for a minute when i got into endurance i've been riding for well, i don't know i got my first pony in 1976 i didn't start endurance till 2004 so i'd kind of been a jack of all trades and master of none and then i discovered something that i turn out to be quite good at and i really enjoy and that was endurance riding. As you, those of you who are listening to these, you'll know my friend Daryl Owen really well now. As she said in her first podcast, she stole my quote because I discovered early on that the riding I really enjoy doing, which is used to be just hacking down the road, enjoying myself, was now called training. And it's a legitimate, in fact, required activity and it just makes my ponies so much more fun and then you get to go and race and it turns out I'm also kind of competitive. I've been doing it a while now and I've got no idea of all the years I've been doing endurance now where to start so I'm just going to start by introducing my favourite um, horse, Lace. I'd done a little bit of endurance with my standard bred George and unfortunately he turned out to have arthritis so I went looking for a, a pony to continue with and I thought you know I clearly I'm going to need an Arab but I couldn't quite bring myself to go for a purebred so I was looking for a part bred Arab and of course when you're looking for a horse suddenly nothing's available and we, we found Lace on the, the New Zealand website Trade Me, uh, part Arab five-year-old. I mean, the phrase with her was strictly true, you know, has been ridden. We went to see her because she was barely rideable, but we bought her anyway because nothing else was available, probably because my good friend Kerry liked the colour. She was a beautiful steel grey. And that pony and I have gone on to forge a really amazing 
relationship from her first first endurance ride where she was naive and didn't know what she was doing and then after that she's like this is I know what I'm doing I know everything let's do it she's really competitive I've turned she's she's turned out to be exactly what I need which is competitive loves the game tough as they come and together we ended up going all the way to the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky in 2010 yeah, as you can probably tell, I love it a bit. And we've done over 5,000 kilometres of endurance rides. And because I'm a little bit obsessive with data collection, I happen to know that I've ridden this pony probably more than any other horse combined in my life. You know, we've done over 15,000 kilometres, if you include training rides. She's also had a few years off from endurance now. I've got three foals of hers and the big thrill at the moment is that I'm riding her first baby. We just started riding her in the last two weeks so what I've ridden her about 10, 12 times now I think. You also need to picture as I'm sitting on the roof that I have a uh, um, stretchy leg bandage bandaged around my, my left thigh because Lace's first foal, whose name is Dancer, she got a fright on our sixth ride and a dog raced up behind her, gave her a fright, she kicked the dog and the dog then started this high-pitched yelping and Dancer got a real fright and just, like her mother, she's a, a reactor and so she was just into it and I came off and I've got this amazing purple leg um, with a hematoma but she's been really good other than that and I still love it a bit and really excited how dance is going to come along and she'll be doing her first endurance rides um, next season. It's autumn here in New Zealand so that's fall for you guys in America so our endurance season has just finished. There were ups and downs as there always are in endurance. I guess I'll keep those stories for my next chat with you guys um, and I guess that'll that'll do for now. I better get back to replacing the screws on the roof, getting rid of the rusty ones so I'll sign off now and catch you next time. Bye! Hi everybody, my name's Kat and I'm from Marvel Endurance. What I wanted to do with this post is, I tend to be the musical Marvel, so whenever I'm, not really actually, not musical at all, but I always have an annoying song stuck in my head. So whenever I'm out on track, usually I either have a song that I'm working with on the track that just gets stuck in my head for most of the ride, or it'll come to mind for like most of the individual horses. So, for example, um, if you have heard anything about Coda, Coda is Victoria's horse and she's well known for shying. This is Coda's song. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. And then they touch the ground very, very hard, whoever is riding Coda, which is usually Victoria, and Victoria's got a lot more stick than many other people do. <laughs> so then my horse is Vegas and Vegas and Coda kind of hate each other most of the time. However, if something's scary, they team up. They're just, they're very similar horses. So they're like the two clicky girl leaders with separate gangs. So the pair of them have this song, but you need to replace the word dance with mare. I challenge you to a dance-off. Hands off, no trash talk.
Vegas has to be in front of the pair of them. Vegas is always pulling to be in front. Coda doesn't necessarily care where she is in the pack. She's pretty good with things, but she does seem to prefer Vegas to be behind her just so she has a chance to kick her in the face. But normally we avoid that situation because, well, Coda really will go nuts and kick crazy and that's just not fun to ride to. Uh, So... The other horse that you might meet is Ra. Uh, Ra's song, there's really, there's no background or anything for this one. It's pretty straightforward how this ends up being Ra's song when you look at him. <laughs> so that one, yeah, it's just straightforward. You look at Ra, that's his song. Vegas's song. Uh, you know, I don't think I ever actually knew the words to this properly when it used to get stuck in my head and whatever, it still works. This is the fact that I feel like I am always, always trying to get Vegas to slow down. So yeah, this is hers. Okay, and um, so horses I've missed, Mizzy. If Mizzy was going to have a song, it'd probably be something like Stuck in the Middle because normally we try and put Mizzy or Ra in between Coda and Vegas when all of us are riding as a group. Uh, George is the new boy, so he doesn't have a song yet. Mm, something rodeo themed, I think. He uh, He has a wild streak. He's very sweet, but he has a wild streak, so not sure. And, oh, the other new player in the team, I haven't ridden with him at all yet, is Jazzy. So we'll see how he goes. And then other than that, I don't think I've missed anyone. I hope not. I'll end it on my one that I always get stuck in my head. Nothing to do with any horses. This is just why I'm always looking for, like, the the mile markers. Well, ours are kilometre markers. I'm always looking for the, the markers on the ride. And as soon as we get to the halfway one, or if anyone even remotely mentions that we might be near the halfway marker, this is what is stuck in my head. That is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the night, I'm sure. But anyway, so that's from me. Happy riding, everybody. Hi, my name's Carly. I'm a West Australian endurance rider. I currently have two horses that I'm trying to qualify this year and it's it's tough. I have three young children and last year whilst I was legging up my bay mare Firefly, I threw the legs and strapping. I was also breastfeeding so it was quite a full-on year. Um, unfortunately at the end of last year she did take a fall and sprained her fetlock. We're currently red light therapying and she is on track to start competing again this year, which is really good news. She absolutely loves being out on trail. She is my little pocket rocket. I also have Yara, a chestnut Arabian 
uh, gelding and he is he is he's beautiful he's kind and gentle really great with the kids and very good in the vet ring which is which is nice because uh, as you all know the vet ring can be quite stressful at times can either make or break your ride I have a big passion with the Arabian horse I, I think they're amazing I don't think there's much they can't do I'm a massive advocate in if I'm not doing endurance I'm doing freestyle liberty just riding without bridle or saddle I, I think that's really awesome to get a, a good bond with your horse especially when you're out competing and doing all those kilometers you want to you want to be able to feel feel and know your horse know how it's going out on trail and yeah so that's a little bit about me a mum of three and trying to get out there competing qualifying it's it's hard but it's doable I think we'll see good morning everybody can you hear that pig noise in the background that would be baby Kassan eating his slop for breakfast you hear that? <laughs> We're getting ready for his farrier appointment. All the fun things you get to do with a baby. And so I figured the best way to get him to behave is focus on the food. Farrier appointment is over. He did so good. I'm so proud of him. Like every time I do anything with Kassan, it's just cool watching him grow. And um, he's just the neatest little guy. And it's fun being able to teach him things like a grown up that I'm gonna need him to do whenever he's older and I sure hope he will be my next in line endurance horse. Well, I wanted to give you guys also an update on Merlin. I've been having a little bit of a, a issue with saddle fitting with him. And um, when I got Merlin a long time ago, he, uh, the people I got him from were, they were amazing. And so I don't mean anything by saying that he was skinny, but he was skinny. He was very thin. He did not have a lot of muscle at that time. And of course, after riding him and having him for as long as I have, he's changed significantly. But whenever I first got him, I ended up getting a Bob Marshall saddle, which is a treeless saddle. And um, those saddles most fit most horses. It fit my last horse just fine. I love the saddle. And for some reason, um, Merlin, lately, it's just been rubbing his withers like crazy. And I got a hold of Skeeto and, uh, when I first got Merlin and they made some awesome pads for him with some shims and shoulder shims and everything for him to be able to put on weight and for me to be able to take out as he got bigger. And, uh, it's, it's done great. And then all of a sudden it's just rubbed him so bad in the wither area. And, um, I've been trying to ride because I want to train for this upcoming ride, which is a Kaha ride in Santa Fe. And I went camping with him up at Fort Stanton and we did about 10 miles and he was aggravated and his back was sore. And then um, I, he had a spot that was rubbed on his withers when I went and did another 10 mile ride with him. And I've been trying to work everything um, around that. I've looked on um, Facebook for ideas. I saw somebody's awesome post about how they got some ghost panels and they put those inside of the Bob Marshall. And um, the bonus of having a mentor again, of course y'all all know my mentor is Cressy Drummond. I was able to go over to her house and have her assist me with fitting my Bob Marshall. We come up with anything we could. We were we got a brand new um, pad from Skeeto. He 
he looked at my rubs and he said, okay, we're going to cut, cut it back and we're going to fix this. And he did it for free, which, uh, I can't tell you, um, I've never experienced uh, customer service like I have from Tom at Skeeto. So I want to give a big plug for him. He was awesome. And the pad is fantastic. And But he told me too, he said that Merlin has what's called a shark fin. It's huge. It's about six inches on each side. And even though he's getting bigger, his withers are still so high. And if this pad doesn't work, then or this, uh, it's definitely not the pad, it's the saddle. So Cressy, back to the story with Cressy, my mentor, she, we put it all together. We ended up taking some extra Skeeto shims and we shoved it in the front of the saddle on top of the pad, hoping that would put a little bit of lift and, um, it looked great. But as soon as I got on and put my weight in the saddle, it would squish down again and, um, it just wasn't happening. And so I didn't know what saddle to get. I have been racking my brain. I went with one of my partners uh, in my grooming team and we went down a specialized saddle. She was having a little trouble, so we ended up getting her specialized saddle. But uh, right now, you know, it's summer. I got kids, we're planning vacations and I'm not ready to spend um, a couple grand on a saddle. And so I have been battling some super depression over trying to figure out what to do for Merlin and also uh, being able to do my endurance rides because I need it. I need it for my soul, you know? And, um, so what we did is, uh, thankfully Cressy had a Wintech care. I think I'm saying that right. It was a dressage saddle. I have never rode in a dressage saddle. Um, I am still very green when it comes to uh, a lot of things about horses. You know, I, Merlin's my second horse and um, I've had Bob Marshall and my very first saddle was a McCullen. I loved that sucker, but it just didn't fit my uh, horse very well. I want, I would love a Pandora. I think that that brings me back to the McCullen. You know, I think it's just, uh, it's uh, very similar, you know, and it probably fits a lot better, but again, that's a couple grand. So Cressy has a uh, Wintech and we put it on Merlin and it worked. It was the best day ever. We went on a ride and he was able to move his shoulders. There was no uh, rubbing on his withers. Actually, the saddle completely stayed off his entire spine and um, it stayed off of his withers. And he was so happy. And, and you know, it changes everything. When you go out and ride, it's not fun if your horse is not happy and I knew he was miserable I could see like with his ears they just weren't forward and you know he was doing everything I would ask him but it was just something was not right you know and then I went and I did a 20 mile ride yesterday on the last training uh, trail that I uh, did the podcast on actually it's pretty hard it's like a thousand ga uh, foot gain and elevation we did not do it very fast, but I wanted to check and see how this saddle would fit him. And if I was ready to go up to uh, do the endurance ride, which is two weeks away and it went well, Merlin was great. When I got back, we took the saddle off. He felt great. There was no soreness. He was a happy dude. So it looks like, um, we're on track for going to Kaha after all. I hadn't posted anything cause I was kind of, uh, battling whether I was going to go and I was sad and you know, but, um, I think that, uh, to be smart on this, I'm definitely not going to do a 50 as I had planned. I'm going to go in and do uh, LD because we have not had the enough training that I would have wanted to. 
and then we are going to see how he feels. If he does great and he did uh, on that LD, then I'll do the LD the next day. And then our next plan is to do the Pioneer Ride at Fort Stanton, which is in uh, July, I believe. Yeah, it's the beginning of July. And last year I did that ride and I wanted to get the full Pioneer. And the second day I overtimed because I got lost. And so um, that was a bummer. Good story though. I ended up following flags that were way down trail, the same color as the flags of the uh, ride we were on. But uh, it was just off trail. It was somebody's dang hunting trail. I don't know how I did that. I saw it and we, I went that way. And I, I shouldn't have, but again, like I said, you know, that's another story, but I didn't get the Pioneer jacket and I saw this, uh, the one lady who was able to do the full Pioneer, she got the jacket that said Fort Stanton. I wanted it so bad and I was so sad. And so this year I am not gonna push and do the 50s. I'm perfectly happy with doing the Pioneer in LDs at Fort Stanton. Fort Stanton's a very tough technical ride and we're gonna do three days in a row if all goes well and um, and we will go home with a jacket. I I would love that or if they have something for Merlin of course I would get it for him but I think um, I think it's a jacket at Fort Stanton and uh, I like to walk around with my chest poked out like I'm a pretty cool chick um, and I was able to do three days in a row on my amazing horse he's the one who does it you know so um but anyway so that's the update for Kassan and Merlin Kassan is just growing and we're uh dealing with the you know him just uh, becoming a big boy and getting to do big boy stuff I definitely need to get him out on another hike um he hasn't had enough um time out either and you know it's life and work and horses and you only have so much time but uh I uh, definitely want to get him out here soon. Another plug is if you're in the Southwest area and you are able to go to Fort Stanton, oh my gosh, they have the coolest thing. Now they put in corrals at the campground so you can take your horses. So my next uh, camping trip, I think I'm going to go and take Merlin and Kassan together because they have double corrals where you can park your horse trailer next to it and listen to them and watch them as uh, you're trying to sleep and making sure they're good and taken care of. And I think we will get out on trail together and I'll pony Kassan and take him through some water and there's a tunnel out there to go through. And so that's my goal before the summer ends but of course we got uh fort stanton coming up and then in august at the very end of july we're going to tevis to crew for our mentor cressy drummond of course if all goes well who knows what could happen between now and then but that's the goal even if we do not go for Cressy, we are all going to be going to the Green Bean team. Wind Riders is going to Tevis, and we are crewing for somebody. If nothing else, we're going to go around and take notes on food and see what everyone's doing. But um, super excited about that. I plan to do some podcasts for you guys on uh, the Kaha ride and Tevis, too. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to stories about both my boys and to be continued. Hi, my name is Shannon Loomis, and I'm here today to talk about the Shore to Shore Endurance Ride. This ride takes place on the Michigan Shore to Shore Trail in Lower Michigan, which begins near Oscoda at the River Road Trail Camp, and then winds its way west towards the finish in Empire at the Gary Lake Trail Camp. The Shore to Shore Trail has been in existence for 55 years, 
An endurance ride has been held on this trail since 1985. Bruce Burr has been the ride manager since 2016, but he and his wife, Ray Meyer, who is also the head ride vet, have been involved in the ride since 1985. This ride is sanctioned by Umecra, Oats, AARC, and GLDRA. This ride is a shore-to-shore pioneer ride. We use a permanently marked trail maintained by the Michigan Trail Riders Association, or MTRA. The western half of the trail is primarily owned by the state of Michigan Department of Natural Resources, and the eastern half by the U.S. Forest Service. It is a dedicated hiking and riding trail which stretches over 230 miles across the state of Michigan from Lake Huron to Lake Michigan and has permanent horse camps approximately every 25 miles. From River Road, we hop Scotch West 50 miles a day, moving to a new campground every night. Because the trail covers so much ground, every day is a different ride, and sometimes, unbeknownst to riders or management, obstacles or problems are only known when the riders reach them. Challenges on the trail can be very weather dependent. In dry years, water can be scarce on certain days, though water buckets are usually provided along the trail. Also, horses are exposed to roads and traffic, especially on Monday and Friday. But as I said, every day is completely unique. For the most part, trails are sandy without a lot of rock or much in the way of elevation changes, especially for my West Virginian ponies. The good news is that even after torrential rains, the trails drain and mud is never an issue except in a very few isolated patches. The bad news? When it is very dry, dust can be significant and the sand can be deep in stretches. We do have a major river crossing, but it is just out of the campground, so usually is not a problem. For anyone who has questions about a specific day, I recommend contacting management or someone like myself who has ridden the trail multiple times. Also, trail maps are available from the MTRA on their website, and I do recommend purchasing a set of maps if you intend on coming to the ride. As far as camp facilities, we use five to six different camps for overnight use. Every camp is different, but all have a well. Management provides the generator to run the well pumps. All but one camp has permanent pit toilets. No showers or corrals are available, but all camps have picketing posts, as that is the preferred containment method used by the MTRA. The endurance rides do allow electric corrals when space allows. Half the camps are wooded, and half are in open areas. Most of the camps are relatively close to towns, or at least to food and fuel and everyday rigs do pass through towns on the way from camp to camp. Campsites are not reservable and are first come first serve with the exception of ride management which gets first pick to be close to the finish line. For those riders without pit crews to drive their rigs from camp to camp, management does provide rig jumpers for an additional fee. The entire shore to shore endurance ride covers seven days. Every day offers a 50-mile ride, an LD ride, and a 25-mile Umecra competitive trail ride. The first two days, Saturday and Sunday, are stationary rides, meaning that riders ride out and back to the same camp, South Branch Trail Camp. 
The next five days, Monday through Friday, are the Pioneer Ride and comprise the traditional 250-mile shore-to-shore trail, and rigs are then moved daily to the next camp. Every day except Monday, all distances start from camp at 7 a.m. Riders then travel approximately 13 miles to the first hold, which can be held along a back road or in a parking lot, depending on the day. Then the riders continue to the halfway check held at MTRA trail camp. Here the LD and CTR riders finish and after their vet check must be trailered to the next campground. The 50 mile riders, however, continue on the trail to finish at the overnight campground 25 miles away. Pit crews are able to go to all holds and there are also several convenient places where the trail crosses roads and rigs can easily meet their riders. On Monday, because the 50-milers have to go east out to Lake Huron and then backtrack, the LD and CTR riders wait until about 11 a.m. so as to ride with the 50s on the second half of the trail from River Road Camp to South Branch Camp. As listed on the ride flyer, junior riders do have a significantly reduced entry fee. No novice rides are held, primarily owing to the length and complexity of managing the seven-day event. As far as special events, we do have a potluck dinner on Thursday night where we celebrate getting almost to the end of the week and any horse and rider pairs who are still going for the full five days. A special award is offered to any rider who completes all five days and 250 miles or 125 miles for the LD and CTR riders on one horse. Also, a special best condition award is given to the 250-mile horse who the vets feel, in their words, would be the one that they would pick if they had to turn around and ride back to Lake Huron. Why do I love this ride? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. I have ridden this trail a dozen times, and I want to ride it at least a dozen times more. I plan my entire summer around this ride. My mom and my son pit crew for my daughter and me for a week in the boonies of Michigan every summer. I love that I can get on my horse on Monday morning and ride 250 miles in five days without loading her into a trailer or backpacking more than those first 15 miles on Monday. I love that people can bring one horse or five. I love that you can do 25 or 50 miles every day for seven days or just come and do one day. I have learned more about myself and my horse on this ride than all other rides combined, and I've been riding a long time. The hours I have spent on this trail have helped me be a better horseman and a better endurance rider. You can get away with a lot on a one-day ride that you can't on this one. You find out that what works on Monday doesn't necessarily work by Wednesday. And I love the way riders come together to help each other out. Do you need a picket line? Sure. Have a saddle pad rubbing? Someone has one you can try. Broke a rain and can't find a spare? I'm sure I've got one you can borrow. And the vets are really able to learn each individual horse and rider over the course of a week and can really help you out. The first time I rode this ride in 2003, I was terrified. I was an experienced rider on a very experienced horse but I'd never done more than two days in a row. It was tough. It was intimidating. And it was addictive. I couldn't wait to go back. 
And now, 15 years later, I cannot wait until August and I can go back again. I hope to see all of you at the Shore to Shore Pioneer Ride this year. If you have any questions, Bruce or I would be more than happy to help you. And if you have any questions about the trail, I bet I can find you the person to ask. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Endurance Horse Podcast. I want to thank everybody who sent files and you took the time to record, maybe learn some new technology. And as I know, you guys are all busy with your jobs and conditioning your horses and maybe watching your kids. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to send the file in. I truly appreciate it. If you've promised me a file, please send one in and I will get episode five out right away. I just want to say thank you to everybody. I know I already said it, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sending them in. I would not have the podcast together if it wasn't for your great stories. And I hope that this is a positive light in the world and specifically in the endurance world. Happy conditioning. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com.